This podcast is sponsored by Terraform Development is a Navajo and Hopi owned engineering, architectural and project management firm located in northern Arizona. The company has full time staff and comprises of Navajo and Hopi employees. Terraform services include civil engineering, residential design, drone mapping and project management on projects for your need. Terraform is a priority one Navajo certified business and Hopi business license certified. Contact Terraform Development at T E R R A, the number four O R M dot com, and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. Also sponsored by. Hey, you all, this is Carl from Carl and J Man Save the World podcast. If you are listening to us from the Anchor website or the Anchor app, let me tell you about it. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now, there's even an option where you can add Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you create. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A N C H O R.fm to get started. You are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is the lover of Mother's and Father's Day, Carl. Yo, what's going on out there, podcast world? I'm your your other host, <laughs> Carl. And thank you for listening to us on this lovely Wednesday day here, here on the Hopi Reservation on this lovely Wednesday day or whatever day you may be listening to the podcast. We just got fresh out of the Father's Day weekend. Was there anything memorable that you did over the Father's Day weekend, Carl? Did you help uh, all the single women celebrate Father's Day and you know, all, all the accomplishments and you know all, all of the manly things that I guess those women do to deserve a Father's Day shout out? Yeah, yeah. We had Soul Cook for us. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best Father's Day Ever, uh, you know, um, you, you know, cause we don't really celebrate like all those big holidays like that. We just kind of give a gesture of like, you know, Oh, happy mother's day or happy father's mm-hmm. day mm-hmm. or like happy birthday. I'll have to admit that I am still scouring for a father's day gift for my father, but fortunately the, the res famous wife was much more prepared. I got a beautiful new Apple watch Oh, really? for father's day. So big shout out to the res famous wife and to my kids for making it a special father's day sons won on father's day. And so we're getting ready for another game against that war against that other LA team. <laughs> the uh, your your kids didn't ask you who my real father was, you know, they didn't say, "Dad, who's my real father?" They, they look in the mirror and they see that they look like me. And or they, so they I didn't think ask that their mom, pretty, they didn't ask they, their they mom too. They they know pretty well who who seed uh, who, who planted the seeds. So <laughs> they didn't ask mom, I was like, "Mom, who's my real father?" No, no, no. no. <laughs> 
But anyway, we're we have a, a special guest here in the studio. We have a special guest here today to share uh, with us, you know, some some experiences that they have on a topic that we've, I guess, kind of just touched the touch the uh, tip of the iceberg on. But full disclosure, I think that both you and I are, are a little bit nervous because, you know, if anybody out there, which I'm pretty sure that everyone has, if you're out there driving on the road and a squad car pulls up behind you, you're not driving your normal 80 miles an hour. You slow <laughs> down to 65 or even 50 miles an hour for some folks. But I think that, you know, that's kind of the case uh, with us today. We'll get to a little bit more explaining before um before we bring in our special guests and so but before we dive into the topic today i'd like to give some special shout outs oh yeah go ahead carl's a little bit uh a little pre-ejaculation on our (laughs) conversational background music there but definitely and it's been a while since we gave a shout out to our circle of 30 pack givers and so i definitely like to give them a huge shout out like to give a shout out to Harrison H.B. Billigodi to Michaela Williams. We got a new 30-pack sponsor, and that's Terry Hanani. like to give a big shout-out to Venetia Hanani, Rachel Reinhardt, Noel Coyahoma, Joyce Hamilton, Jaris Billigodi, Donovan Goldtooth, our boy Millard Owenyama, Gary Lomayasva, and Michelle Holden. All right. Well, thank you, everybody that uh, is keeping the party going, because, you know, without you guys, you know, we we might as well not have the podcast. Big shout out to the folks that are keeping the party going, because without those uh, 30 packs that, you know, there'd be no reason to be. Oh, yeah, exactly. And so big shout out to them. Big to them. And then another shout out to our sponsors, Terraform Development. We got your new ad on the episode. I'm so sorry it took me forever to do that. Big thank you to you guys. Big shout out to our boy, Justin Villarreal. And I just got word through the grapevine that we potentially have a new sponsor on the way. Oh, really? New sponsor on the way. So that means more. More uh, fuel for the podcast to keep going, to keep striving and going to bigger and better places. Any other shout outs that you can think of? Oh, my God. That's like five minutes worth of shout outs there. <laughs> We're blessed. We're very blessed We're... to be able to have all those people to shout out. Exactly. You know, shout out to uh, all of the listeners out there and shout out to our, uh, you know, our our people that, that keep us in check, basically. So. Mm -hmm. And then so I guess we can go ahead and let you start turning that music (laughs) back on so we can get into our conversation today. But today's conversation, we're going to be talking about crime on the reservation. Oh, yeah. Crime on the reservation. I mean, there's a lot of crime on the reservation. You told me we got new background music. (laughs) This is new background music. It sounds it sounds old to me. It's it's relaxing. It's soothing. It's supposed to (laughs) soothe you. Of this, uh, you know, this cop episode here. So, <laughs> so see, every everybody, all the listeners out there. <laughs> so Carl, every Carl every and man turned into narcs, and <laughs> we're gonna expose the whole reservation. <laughs> so everybody out there is doing a trouble out there. This is just to kind of soothe you into the <laughs> ease you into, the, you know, having a cop on the episode. So, <laughs> well, you know, I think that goes to you know what I was talking about earlier of you and I being a little bit nervous that we do have a police officer. Oh yeah, we do have an actual in police the building officer today, here. and then you know he is going to come on and talk with us on join our conversation about crime on the reservation. But like I mentioned before, that this is a topic that we've kind of 
touched on a little bit through some of the various yeah, episodes. Yeah, we did. That we talked a little bit about how uh, certain crimes that we see often on the reservation and even talked a little bit about some of the crimes that we've committed to a degree because I think that when you go all the way back to season one, when we were talking about or growing up on the res episodes that we were we talked about how in our adolescence that to a degree we were taught to break the law in a lot of circumstances. <laughs> exactly. I mean, like, you know, remember the, the, where we were shooting each other with BB guns. I'm pretty sure that that was like uh, at least a misdemeanor <laughs> offense <laughs> with the BB gun. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could poke somebody's eye out with that thing. there. <laughs> And then I think too, we also talked about driving in those res rockets. Oh yeah, and, you know, I, I don't know what the what the highway laws are these days, but I'm pretty sure having ten kids in the back of the truck. And I, I know for sure one of the things that we used to do as kids is that my back in the day, my parents had a single cab pickup truck and we used to ride in the cab standing up like we wouldn't even be standing sitting down with our seat belts on but we'd be standing up on the seats and so i'll have to ask our special guests off the air making sure that there's no um uh, i I don't remember what the term is but uh statue of limitations (laughs) make sure my parents don't get tossed in after (laughs) admitting that on the podcast you know there you know when we were kids when we were doing uh, like all these different things like that. You know, we did, we never had like that sense of, of a law or anything like that here on the reservation is because, you know, we, yeah, we, we see it on TV and we think it's cool. And then we just kind of mimic that, that whole behavior there, not even thinking twice that it might be that we're legal, illegal to do something like that, mm-hmm. you know, cause so and Qua, they taught me very well to stay away from drugs and alcohol and, you know, like, um, you know, I wanted to become a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. And, you know, that was my whole that was my whole goal of, to become like a, a good guy and stuff like that. So you wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the hero of everything like that. And, yeah, of course, I wanted to grow up and help people in a way like that. But, you know, becoming becoming a cop, becoming a police officer, like was very far from my mind. It's interesting that you say that because it's something that I haven't really considered before. But thinking about what our mentalities are on the reservation, somebody like yourself watching a lot of things like Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, and, you know, kind of having aspirations to fill those shoes to be the hero. But I know for sure, definitely growing up kind of like in the older years, like at the end of grade school, sixth grade into junior high, high school, I think that a lot of the movies that our reservation people liked were things like Friday or Blood In, Blood Out, (laughs) like all all the black and Mexican movies, all, all the thug and gangster movies. And I think that a lot of the people that I hung around with people that liked films like those they wanted to fill those roles they wanted to be the gangsters they wanted to be the drug dealers they wanted to be the distributors and so for sure I know that you know growing up at least in the day school and then into junior high high school that I had peers that quote unquote slinged and you know took brought drugs and things like that into school. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, like the, uh, one of my favorite movies was, uh, training day. Remember with Denzel? Yeah. Yeah. Training, training day. You know, um, what was the white guy's name? Um, Ethan, Ethan Hawk. Yeah. Ethan Hawk. You know, it's like you, you get this sense of, uh, of, of kind of like this, 
notion that cops are bad people. Yeah. Yeah. Cops. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cops are bad cr- people. Cops. Yeah. Cricket cops in a way. And then you just kind of watch those and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that cops do drugs, too, while arresting drug dealers and stuff like that. And you probably liked that movie because you liked uh, what was the actress's name that's in there. She's butt naked. Oh, yeah. Um, Denzel's bed. <laughs> yeah. What was her name? Uh, um, oh, my God. Uh you need to stop giving yourself away, Carl. I know. I know. I have posters of her, so. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I mean, like, you know, the, the whole the whole idea behind, like, like, law enforcement is to, like, protect you, is to educate you and to make sure that you're within the, the range of, like, doing something that is is okay to do and we've talked about it too i think the perspective of the reservations especially in those earlier episodes that you know we were into doing things like that like doing drugs or drinking and especially out here on the reservation it being a dry community that you know alcohol is not allowed and so that when you're engaging in things like that wanting to party yeah that we always saw the cops as kind of like the 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 villains in a way i guess because you know they're the ones that are um stopping the, the party party I, stoppers the party stoppers and i think that <laughs> that was one of the things that we talked about in a lot of those earlier episodes but i think that you know in a lot of the some of the conversations that you and i have had in talking i guess about some of the more darker stuff that happens on the reservation oh yeah because we have talked about gang violence i think in one of our earlier episodes where we did talk about where people are selling drugs and you know of a lot of community pr- members that have drug problems oh yeah or you know a lot of community members that have alcohol problems where it creates things like domestic abuse violence against children and then even you know our one of our previous guests mr joe baca who talked about some of the issues that he had and some of the issues issues that he sees with things like crystal meth and what that causes individuals to do here on the reservation. And so, you know, I think that when you understand how much, I guess, crime affects our communities and then you know that that's kind of when i guess the the perspective shifts in terms of how we see our law enforcement and that we want our law enforcement to be a, a stronger entity out here on the reservation to help keep the peace and to ensure that a lot of these negative things aren't on the reservation because i guess you know in terms of you and i our perspectives what do you think that some of the biggest uh issues with crime that goes on here on the reservation well i think the biggest one here is the alcohol you know that's like one of the top part of of how hopi sees itself is that alcohol here on the reservation yes it's illegal to have alcohol here but yet we we do it because it's illegal. It's it's something that it's fun to do, and it's it's something that they've been doing since you know time immemorial. <laughs> well, if it's fun to do, then where's the problem? <laughs> I guess the problem lies in like the the aftermath of it. You know the what's some of the aftermath? Like you know the arguments, the the destruction, the uh, the violence, the violence that comes along with uh, you know alcohol and drug related problems out here. And with that, it becomes to where it has the addiction. It comes to where it's like, you know, oh, yeah, this person becomes a bad person after afterwards. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because, you know, I, I guess thinking about how life used to be out here on the reservation back when I was a younger kid and then thinking about how things are now. I remember, you know, back in the day, especially in the villages, I remember the people kind of always saying things like, oh, we never used to lock our doors or, you know, you'd sleep 
with your main door open, especially in these these warmer months yeah. when you just have the screen door closed. But even then, the screen door is not locked because then you, there's no fear of anybody breaking into your home. There's no fear of anybody vandalizing your property or anything to that degree. I remember being in high school out in Tuba that because I was in cross country that I could run in any direction and hit dirt road to be able to do my runs. But this day and age, everybody locks their doors. Oh yeah. In Tuba, you can't run anywhere without running into barking dogs or <laughs> dogs that chase you. And it's something that I thought about, at least especially with the dogs, because I used, I, I would think like, why are there so many dogs now? How can people have so many dogs? And then I kind of thought about it. And this is just a hypothesis. I don't know if this is really true. But I think the reason why so many people have dogs on the reservation now is because they're trying to protect their homes. And, you know, they use these dogs to train them to try to keep people from breaking into their homes. And this is something that you and I have talked about in a previous episode yeah. during this season is that a lot of people are breaking into homes now. Oh, yeah. That people are stealing property. And so before we go to our break, just want to kind of want to share a quick story is that, you know, when the Red's famous wife first moved back to the reservation that she was renting a trailer because we talked about how difficult it is finding a home out here but she rented a trailer and then living in this trailer that at one point it actually did get broken into and so when it got broken into we were trying to recapture all of the stuff that was stolen and one of the things that we learned was that we learned that people would hire like meth hits they would hire meth heads to break into other people's homes. And then whatever is valuable that the meth heads would steal, that those people would take those items, the TVs, the <laughs> video games, and yeah. things like that. And so uh, that was kind of something crazy that, you know, I guess to a degree there's organized crime on the reservation. Yeah, exactly. You know, you were saying you were saying that uh, like people keep dogs around um, their homes to protect their homes. I, uh, I train cats to protect my home. I, there's, I have a ninja cat that comes around and, uh, Meows very loud. So, well, if anybody out there with sticky hands wants <laughs> to get a hold of uh, Carl's stuff, I know where all of his uh, secret uh, passageways are. So, <laughs> give me a call. All right, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break here. Hi, I'm Kiona, Hopi Relief volunteer and board member. Hopi Relief is a grassroots Hopi led nonprofit organization founded to provide relief services, food boxes, and essential supplies to Hopi tribal members throughout the COVID 19 pandemic and beyond. Our focus is to uplift the Hopi community by empowering our people to create homegrown solutions to challenges we face. We are supported by the generosity of like-minded individuals and organizations who simply want to help. You can get involved by following us on social media, sharing our story, or donating on our website, www.hopirelief.org. We are at Hopi Relief on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we're back. All right. We're back from our break, and we'd like to introduce our special guest. Yeah, go ahead and uh, come on here. Come on down. Well, hello, everyone. Uh, I just want to thank um, J-Man and Carl for inviting me on the show. My name is Jarvis Kamaintua. I'm the Field Operations Lieutenant with Hopi Law Enforcement Services. All right. Excellent. I mean, like, you know, how long have you been on the, the force here? 
I came to Hopi Law Enforcement uh, in March of 2019. Uh, prior to that, I was down in the Valley with another agency. I uh, spent at least a good 16 years there. And prior to that, oh, wow, I started kidding. my career out with uh, another agency here in the Northern area uh, back in 1995. Oh, wow. No Dang. Kidding. How no old kidding. were you in 1995? 10. Dang. Back, back when we were committing crimes for the first time. <laughs> we're back where we were shooting each other with BB <laughs> guns. Yeah, so you're, so you're worried about those uh, those uh, those charges there. that you've done back in those days. <laughs> so so, so uh, we're, we're probably going to get loaded up into the squad car after this episode. So This could you, be the very last episode for Damon and Carl. <laughs> you won't hear from us for a while. So 30-pack sponsors out there, if you want to get together and... Uh, Put together a, some bail money, for, money us. for us. So, <laughs> I'll, I'll try to. I'll, I'll have the officers record Carl because I'm sure he <laughs> he'd cry once they put us in the jail cells. <laughs> so you know, it's funny that you brought up your um, childhood uh, memories and, and riding in vehicle and those seatbelts. And well, back in in my day, I, I don't believe there were seatbelts in oh, no in my kidding. dad's Ford single cab truck. Yeah, and that, I would stand right next to him. Yeah, that is true. Because Squaw said the same thing too. Like in some of the older cars, there were no seat belts. Oh wow! Yeah, so having like my so, so I guess technically, it's not breaking the law. There's no <laughs> yeah. Seat so like having my thigh in a in a carriage, just sliding back and forth <laughs> while there's. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, Lieutenant Lamayantua, what, what can you tell the audience and, and let us know, like, what, what, what was it that want, uh, that made you want to become, uh, in, in the law enforcement? Well, quite honestly, um, I needed a job. Okay. I needed a, a job, a, a steady job with uh, decent pay and uh, medical benefits. Oh, okay. So I, I had just, um, had my son and so, you know, I, I was working, uh, prior to getting into law enforcement, I was in the, um, was basically painting houses, you know, oh, really? part of a, oh, a, okay. a construction crew that, you know, we would come in and, and a new housing project would get put up and then we'd come in and do the, the painting both inside the house and outside. Um, but once we were done with the, the project, then we would have to sit and wait until another one came along. So, uh, it's that downtime and not having that income. And I had a, a newborn son. And so this was actually, um, I guess, my only option at the time. Oh, wow. You know, wow. I just kind of imagine you like, you know, painting houses and then you're like, you know, shh, shh. I was like, ah, screw this. I want to go arrest some people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going go to I'm gonna go train to shoot somebody some legally. Not, not quite. Uh, <laughs> and, and you brought it up earlier, J-Man, in that, you know, for us growing up out here on the reservation, that's really like not even a thought for most of us, you know, just growing up as a village boy running around in the village and doing village boy things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You, that's really not a, even a thought. A and, thought to become a police officer. No, it, it's, it, for me, it wasn't. Oh, wow. So what would you, what did you want to do? Like as a, you know, growing up? Well, at one point in time, I actually thought about becoming a, a dentist. Oh, no kidding. Weird. Yeah. 
but there was a lot of school involved in that. So. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly uh, true. Definitely, definitely. And so, uh, L- Lieutenant, uh, what would you say that, I guess, what, what, what are the most enjoyable things about your job? Because I know people like us, I think that the most, uh, I guess the most knowledge that we have of police officers is what we see on the TV show, Cops. <laughs> okay, for me, the, the most... The most enjoyable thing about my job is getting to meet uh, new people every okay. day, uh, being invited in, in to different events and, and socializing with people, learning about the community, learning out individual people, as well as having opportunities such as this to come in on different various shows. Uh, as I mentioned to you guys earlier, um, the chief and I were invited to share some information on a, another program. I'm not going to say that program because <laughs> I understand one of the, one of the two here don't really care for the program. It's, it's so. a radio show that Carl's <laughs> upset with because they won't give us a, a monthly show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so K-U-Y-I. <laughs> we were invited on that program to share information about uh, national police week. Um, so just the opportunities that come along with the job and, and the, spontaneity of the job. You know, you never know what's going to happen. You know, never know what's going to come your way and what you're going to have to deal with. So it's just having that spontaneity and not being bored with just the same old thing every day. Wow. Definitely. And I I think that, you know, one of the things that I really want to get, at least from your perspective, I guess, is the, the unique circumstances of crime on the reservation. And, you know, I think you're a good person to talk to because you have that experience in the urban areas doing the same thing and then doing the exact same thing here on the reservation. Because I know that, you know, for, and we kind of talked about it at the beginning of the episode, laying down the context, I guess in a way that there's two groups of people here on the reservation that you do have the groups of people that are doing the meth labs and doing the, uh, the bootlegging and, you know, selling the drugs and, you know, you'd be the last person that they want to see. But then yet you have people like myself that have children trying to raise your children on the reservation. And you'd rather not have your kids uh, growing up in a neighborhood where there might be a meth lab or something like that. And so, you know, it's, I guess it's really, and I, I guess that would be true with any society but then when you're on my perspective I guess where you want to live in a safe community where you want to live in a community where you don't have to have fear of your of yourself your loved ones to experience what some of the the bad things I guess that go on with our community but yet you know a lot of us we don't know a whole lot about Things like, uh, I I guess, you know, people that are in your position, what some of the things that go on in the community or even what some of the barriers there are, because then, you know, there's something called Facebook and Facebook. When you go on Facebook that you hear a lot of a lot of our people giving their opinions and almost 90 percent of the time, those opinions are complaints. And a lot of those complaints are directed to folks like like yourself, because then, you know, you'll hear called the cops and, you know, four hours later they're here or, you know, there's all these other different kind of complaints that go on. But I think, you know, fortunately for somebody like myself that has been able to get an education and to learn about some of the disparities that are exist in American American Indian communities of the lack of officers on the reservation or mm-hmm. even, you know, the huge acreage that our reservations cover and, you know, the, the inability for, you know, if you only have two officers on duty at a time for them to be able to respond. But I guess, you know, if, if you could share 
what some of those types of things are. I, I guess I guess this would be your opportunity for those people that don't know what are some of the biggest barriers for, for you to be able to do your job out here on the reservation. Well, I think it all comes down to um, the examples you just gave, you know, with having a large land base to take care of as well as not having the uh, enough people to be able to go and maintain that. Um, and I think a lot of people on, on the reservation and, and just in any community um, don't understand that for Hopi law enforcement, uh, obviously our foundation was the ranger program is yeah. where we started out from. And so when it was the ranger program, their priorities were based around enforcing the livestock ordinance, the wildlife ordinances, the green tree cutting ordinances, and taking care of the land base in that sense. Um, however, since Hopi law enforcement took over law enforcement services for the Hopi tribe, that didn't mean that those services went away. What it did mean was we then took on law enforcement services throughout Hopi, meaning we attend to calls whether they're in the villages and dealing with people, intoxicated people, people on drugs, or whether it's dealing with animals on the rangeland, whether it's dealing with green tree cutting. We, that's still stuff that we have to deal with and that we check up on and investigate. Oh, wow. So, so, so that answers your question, Carl. You remember you had that question if they were yeah, yeah, I was, still I had, policing so, the... Yeah, like the the, range. the rangers and stuff like that. Yes. So, like, uh, I know there's like it's it's just not just the uh, the law enforcement that you're you're in. It's 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 all like the the range part of it. It's all part of the keeping the land, I guess, in check. So yes, it's all in, incorporated in, under one program, which is now Hopi Law Enforcement Services. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, we answer all those calls, uh, regardless what the call is. We'll send our officers out to follow up on the call uh, to their best of their ability. Um, and a lot of times, you know, we also get referrals from outside the reservation. You know, we also have uh, Hopi tribal members that live off the reservation in various cities. And when they get into trouble or, or they got flown out from Hopi for whatever reason, and it happened to um, be as a result of a crime that may have com been committed, then that gets sent to our office as well. And then now we're trying to follow up uh, on that particular call. So it, it, there's just a wide dynamic of things that we have to deal with and, and try to figure out. It's like a big jigsaw puzzle. For wow. Us. Wow. And so Carl and I, we, we kind of gave what we thought our opinions were of, of what some of the most common crimes that occur on the reservation. But you being the expert, what are the most common crimes that you see on the reservation? Well, you hit the nail on the head earlier by talking about alcohol related crime. Um, I believe that that's our number one um, crime that's committed out here on the reservation or at least yeah. reported. Uh, there's also crimes where people are um, under the influence of drugs, whether they're under the influence or selling or possessing. Um, so those are also um, at the top of our list. You've got a lot of domestic violence related crime. Um, you know, 
especially during this this last year, year and a half with the pandemic oh, wow. and being, you know, people having to stay home and, and not being able to move about freely, um, it really increased our, our calls for service that we got to the office. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, family, unfortunately. Wow. 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 And then we also have uh, crimes as it relates to um, sexual assault, some sexual related crimes. And again, you know, which all can go back to alcohol consumption, drug, drug use. Um, when you're out and about having fun partying and you don't have your wits about you, you know, you, you're easier to uh, fall victim to a predator. Oh, wow. And so... Those also are are pretty frequent, unfortunately, um, and we're trying to get a better handle on that. And you know, unfortunately, a lot of our the way our living conditions are out here, um, without having enough homes for everyone to live in and for families to move into, uh, we have families living within families. And wow. so, again, there's another uh, just an opportunity for a predator to take advantage of a, of a young child in that situation. And again, unfortunately that happens quite often. No kidding. So, so how many calls do you get per day? Do you, do you know how many calls you get per day of, of all, you know, any, any crime related issues? I think it varies. It, it varies. Every day is different. Um, such as today, for instance, the sons are playing today. <laughs> Go sons. Um, but it's kind of odd that during game days, it, it seems to be rather quiet out there. No kidding. You know, everybody's, at, everybody's home and, and enjoying themselves watching the game. And, you know. Well, wait. So, I, I, well, I was just good about to ask if the son, and I pray this, uh, knocking on wood, <laughs> if the sons lose, then do you expect any calls to come in? <laughs> they're they're very weird. It could be. They're probably saying, you know, we'll wait till playoffs is done, then we'll kill each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So to answer your question, Carl, I, I really don't uh, know. I don't have an average for you to, to throw out there, average yeah. number or anything like that. It just, every day is different. You know, there, there are days where the guys are running call to call and wow. there are calls pending um, for the next shift to come in and, and try to handle. Yeah. And then there are other days where it's quiet. There's nothing going on. Those calls are coming in and that gives the, the, uh, the guys an opportunity to get into the office and, and write reports because one other thing that the, the public fails to uh, understand is that every time the officers go out and make an arrest or follow up on a call, uh, there's a report that has to be generated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as you can imagine, depending on the severity of the case or the amount of people involved, that report could get quite lengthy. Oh, Wow. And, um, I, and you know, I, that's kind of the unfortunate thing. Cause you know, a lot of us general public people, Carl and myself included that, you know, a lot of our education comes from TV and movies. And so, you know, like how, how, how accurate would you say that some of the popular, uh, cop shows out there are like the CSIs and the, uh, what, what other cop shows are there, Carl? Uh, let's see, there's a CSI, there's a, um, uh, cops R rush uh, hour rush isn't hour. there like a rush that, hour that tv movie? show oh i don't know i don't know <laughs> yeah i don't like to watch any of this <laughs> Do you, so, so you it's, don't, it's just because you know 
I don't need to watch because I live it every day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was going to ask, you don't what? have like a, a bad boys dynamic, like a, a Will, like your partner's your Will not Smith. like a Martin Lawrence and you're, you're the Will Smith. Of yeah. the- I, I was, I, I kind of picture, you know, you, um, you on like your first day of, of the job, you know, practicing with your gun and you're <laughs> in front of your mirrors, like freeze, get down on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like that. We don't, we don't oh. say freeze, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's what popular culture does to us yeah, see warps our brains yeah so you don't reality. say freeze we do not say freeze what do you no. say like get down on the ground exactly. you don't say anything you just shoot you just, you just no, shoot, shoot just first shoot. ask questions later or what how does that work we don't do that either <laughs> but i guess kind of like a more serious question like because i i know like experiencing living on the reservation that sometimes you know we think that the only crimes are committed are like the crimes that we've talked about but yet somehow you find out that there are more, I guess, deeper crimes that are committed because in, in a previous podcast episode, we talked about the crystal meth epidemic and especially what was going on in Tuba City. And you'd hear rumblings, you know, you'd hear kind of some of the community members talk about where some of these drugs are coming from. And you even hear to the links that, you know, some like the Mexican mafia is pushing drugs through the reservation. Mm. Are there any intricate crimes like that that go on out here on Hopi? Well, if you think about it, and and you had brought up the issue of organized crime earlier, mm-hmm. um, man, what better place to to start up an an uh, organization such as that? Oh wow! You know, just because of your land base, like I said, we can't be everywhere every time, all the time. So you have a lot of of ground. You have a lot of area that is is that goes unsupervised. Mm. And, you know, we have our neighbors all around us from the Navajo Nation and they have a lot of land base. And if you think about the area to the, uh, the South, what would that be? Southeast of us, Dokkan area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how many officers have you, do you see when you're crossing that? Yeah. Catch a land. Yeah. You know, literally none a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's a huge corridor and there's a lot of opportunity for these people oh, wow. to to come on the reservation, whether it be Navajo or Hopi, and, you know, get their infrastructure set up in their organizations and recruit and, and do that type of thing. So I, I wouldn't doubt that there are organizations out there. Um, and back when, all the way back to when I started my career, we were hearing of... Um, that type of stuff happening and, and it was more based around um, Hispanics coming in and, you know, getting with the native women to be able to then organize and set up their shops. And this was all the way back in, I'd have to say about 98, 99 is when all of that talk was happening already. Oh, wow. 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 And I, I, I meant to ask, ask you this earlier but of course i got lost in my own words but uh what what are some big differences that you've experienced between um serving on the police force on the reservation versus serving on the police force in the more populated the urban areas yeah well i think um my experience working i worked at other reservations off off of hopi um but they're opportunities they they had more funding available to them uh, just because of their proximity to the cities and the valley. And so from that standpoint, you have more opportunity for training. You have more uh, opportunity for 
obtaining up-to-date equipment um, and being able to get the job done with that up-to-date equipment. Um, so from that standpoint, coming back home here to Hopi, um, we're trying to catch up uh, to all the other departments and and with what funding that we have available for us. Um, and then also trying to work through the tribal organizations that have control over some of those areas, you know, because we can work toward getting something established. However, if we don't have ultimate control or ultimate say so over making or bringing that area to fruition, um, we're basically waiting on someone else's thumbs up to be able to do it. Mm. And that's some of the problem that I see here in Hopi. Um, now speaking to the actual work, um, I do see one of the more obvious issues for me coming from the previous agencies I've worked at is that Hopi is unique in that each of the villages um, claims their individual sovereignty from the tribal government. Yeah. Uh, and because of our traditions and, and the way we are as Hopi people and where we're raised and the fact that each village strives to maintain their, their traditional uh, leadership um, and those types of areas, it, it makes it rather difficult for us to do our jobs. Um, if you think about law enforcement, um, obviously we enforce the law, which is the Hopi code here. Yeah. Um, for the state side, we enforce the Arizona Revised Statutes and everything that falls underneath that and so on and so forth. However, um, in order to enforce those codes, it has to be written somewhere. And when you're dealing with a tribe or a village that's ruled by oral tradition, yeah, it's not written anywhere, um, but yet they're calling law enforcement to come and take care of a problem. A good example is if a village member or a non-village member happening happens to live in the village and is causing problems, um, then the leadership in the village wants to remove that person. Uh, they call law enforcement and we go and sit down with the complainant or whoever is calling and ask, okay, where's your exclusion paperwork? Where is your documentation to say this person is no longer allowed to reside in your village. And when they operate off of oral tradition and leadership and rule, and there's nothing written, uh, there's, it really hinders us in, in us being able to carry out our jobs and our duties. Um, just because we're, we're dealing with, obviously each one of us as individuals has certain rights that are afforded to us. Yeah. Under, you know, under the United States constitution. And so when we are working and we're trying to fulfill our duties, those are um, things that we have to keep in the back of our minds and to make sure that we're not violating, violating anyone's rights. And so that's where the, the, the conflict comes into play. So that's one of the areas that um, I find difficult in, in trying to work through and work around and work, you know, with the community. 
That, that's that's really interesting that you say that. And, you know, I, I believe, you know, knowledge is power. And I, I think that that's something that us as, you know, regular citizens, especially in regards when it comes to law enforcement, is things that we don't understand, things like jurisdiction, recognizing that there are different laws that are established in different places. And so I, I think for the most part, the average person probably understands that, you know, Hopi law enforcement um, has jurisdiction within the Hopi reservation. But when you go over to Navajo, then they have jurisdiction. Me being from Munqapi, I know all too well about those jurisdictional issues. And, you know, also being an American Indian Studies major that, you know, I think that one of the biggest things that the reservation doesn't understand is something called the Major Crimes Act. Right. And what the Major Crimes Act is that it only gives the federal government jurisdiction over certain crimes. And those crimes, um, I, I think, are probably some of the worst crimes that you can think of, things like murder, arson, and rape. And so, you know, it's a conversation that you constantly hear in villages, in our communities that, you know, how come we know that certain people are committing some of these atrocious crimes, but they're not behind bars. And, you know, and I think that that's something to where, we don't realize that uh, our own Hopi law enforcement doesn't have the jurisdiction to prosecute some of those crimes. And so is that something that you're finding yourself to where you have to ind educate individuals? Well, it's, it's, um, so Hopi law enforcement, uh, the way we operate is, is that we have, uh, obviously, like you said, we have, uh, primary jurisdiction over crimes that happen within the Hopi reservation, within the jurisdiction of the Hopi tribe. Um, and when you're talking about the, the crimes, the major crimes act and, and those that are those crimes that are incorporated under that, uh, we still respond. We still do the in, in, initial investigation. And then once we've um, got our information, then that's when we get in contact with the, BIA investigators who are still on board with us. <clears throat> so from that standpoint, then they do do their follow-up alongside with the uh, federal agencies, whether it's the FBI, DEA, which whatever the, the crime is, is that was committed, it's going to entail which uh, uh, federal department responds and together they work the case and provide the information to the U S attorney's office. So, we are still looped in, although we don't handle the the back end of the case. Uh, we are there at the very beginning to start the case. Mm. And that's another um, misconception with, you know, a lot of people here on Hopi and not only on Hopi, but just the general public in that they, for some reason or another, believe that law enforcement, once they respond and they make the arrest at now. Okay. Now the, this, this issue is over and done with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is not the case. You know, when we, when law enforcement shows up, they do their investigation. They gather enough um, evidence to establish probable cause to charge a person with a crime. Then they make the arrest. And once that arrest is made, this, they, um, submit their report to the prosecutor's office. Now the prosecutor has the ultimate authority to decide whether or not they want to file that specific charge, which is basically recommended by the officer through his paperwork. 
Now they can always choose to um, go forth with another crime that may be more severe depending on the severity of the case, or they may choose to make a deal with the suspect or the, the defendant now. Yeah. And to drop charges and to, you know, go a different route. Um, so that, but that's their, their decision to make. We don't make that decision as law enforcement. So again, we, we don't basically once someone is called or an officer is called, uh, they make the arrest and they provide all their evidence and paperwork to the prosecutor's office. And then from there, obviously the, the suspect has been booked in the jail. Um, and then they still have to come out and face the judge for their arraignment. I see. And so we just get the wheel started is basically all we do then, as law enforcement. Wow. Then, then on the back end, that's when shows like uh, Law and Order come into play. Right. And, and <laughs> right. All, all, all the investigations. And actually, you know, Carl, I meant to ask you this before. Um, and I want to ask you before we, we go off here. Have you ever been arrested? Have I ever been arrested? No, I have never been arrested before. I, I think everybody out there probably believes that. <laughs> <laughs> have you been arrested before? I'd like to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Carl, he's gone to college, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, yeah, exactly. There. I went to ASU, uh, I, so I just, uh, probably I, call up I just got Tempe uh, PD. And, and I just got far as Christie's. <laughs> I just got far as Christie's, and that was about it, so. <laughs> Christie's Cabaret, so. <laughs> so, but anyway, before we head on out, you know, before we do, you know. I, I have one more question before we head on out okay. real quick. And you kind of talked about it a little bit in, in your last statement, but is there any other stereotypes about um, people like yourself and the positions that you're in? that you'd want to want to clear up like, you know, like for, for Carl and I, we're under the impression that you drink coffee and eat donuts every single morning. But if there's any other types of stereotypes power out rings. there, <laughs> we call them power rings, power <laughs> rings. and they're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do drink coffee as well, but no, I think the, the, the stereotype that, um, that is most popular in today's society is that, you know, all, all police officers are bad. You can't trust them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's really being pushed through the mainstream media. Oh like, yeah. Like big time right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so we're, if you can imagine, you know, we're, we're always fighting the uphill battle and in, in trying to figure out crime and trying to reduce crime and getting all the negative feedback from the community. Uh, and then now to face this with the mainstream media, trying to paint all law enforcement officers as being bad people. Um, you know, we are, we are not bad people. We are actually a part of the community. We're all from various villages throughout the reservation here. And we all participate in all of our cultural and traditional uh, ceremonies that, that go on out here. So we are very much a part of the community. Our children go to the local schools. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's, that's who we are. We're human beings. Uh, we uh, make mistakes. You know, we're not perfect. And so... But there are, are measures within our department, within our policies that are, are there to um, correct those mistakes. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. Well, well, thank you again for joining us uh, today here in the studio. You know, uh, it, it's kind of uh, kind of weird to have like an actual cop sitting in front of you actually talking to you about the different points, points and views. Carl and I are pretty sweaty, both nervous. And, <laughs> both yeah. nervous. You guys can stop shaking. Hope, yeah, I know. Hoping we, we, that we, the lieutenant's joking about uh, <laughs> taking us in after. And, 
There's no more room in the back. I know that. So. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again for joining us here. So and if it, there's it, anything else you'd like to share before we, before we go. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to, again, thank you guys for uh, having me on the show. I listened to your show. Uh, big fan of your show. Oh, well, awesome. thank, you. thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. And, um, you know, I hope you guys get more sponsors because it's pretty hot in here. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I just uh, went on another bike ride because we went on a bike ride during lunch. And um, so I had to change out and come in. So I was already <laughs> feeling pretty hot and sweaty when I walked yeah, in. Yeah, here, but, uh, we, we, didn't, we don't pay our... Uh, our I was uh, going to say that's a conversation <laughs> we're going to have to have with our very generous landlord, Peace Academy. Right. Or at least just stop spending more, most of his money on cameras and get some, get <laughs> exactly. some into the utility funds. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again. Thank you again for listening to uh, this, this episode here. If you made it this far here. So if you guys want to sponsor us, um, go get us some air conditioning, get us some air conditioning money, you know, go to car, uh, go to, um, anchor.fm slash CJ podcast 85 to become a monthly donor or to become our 30 pack contributor. It's only $4 or $9 a month and it keeps the party going. Or if you want to just donate a dollar or more, go to buymeacoffee.com slash CJ podcast to donate $1 or more. I was going to make this joke earlier because, you know, we were always talking about how Hopi doesn't have any money for anything. Thank yeah. God that our law enforcement has actual firearms and not slingshots in their uh, holsters. <laughs> and They're dated. Revolvers, six shooters. Once they get the appropriate funding and then we'll start seeing those batarams that, that, that you see on some of the, the black people movies driving up and down <laughs> on the reservations. But well, if you're... Oh, go ahead. I'll, go. Just, I'll just say that you're lucky you don't have gomer pile showing up at your call <laughs> <laughs> then you would have to worry well you know thank you everybody out there for listening to us and if you're not following us follow us on social media you can find us at carl and j man on facebook instagram and twitter and if you're listening to us on youtube don't forget to hit the like button subscribe help us to get to that also oh, our huge goal of a hundred thousand followers on youtube and we promise once we're done being busy being hopeless we'll get more content up all right exactly and wise words from wise men here in the studio especially me here thank you again for listening to carl and j-man save the world podcast my name is carl and this is my best friend j-man bad news carl shooting somebody with a big gun is a misdemeanor <laughs> just kidding so long quack, quack. <laughs>